Welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Aaron Pym. And what I like to do here on the pod is bring fun and sexy guests into the studio to have conversations about sex and sexuality. And today I have a super exciting guest, someone who has actually written uh, some erotica. As, as a lot of you know, I am an erotica writer back in the day, did that professional thing with erotica. So I'm very excited to have uh, somebody who is like-minded. And not only is it erotica, it's kinky erotica. So hello, very excited. <laughs> Everyone, please, won't you welcome to the mic, the author of Edge Play, Jane Boone. Hi, Jane. Hi there, Erin. It's so great to be here and to discuss smut with an expert. Right? Uh, two experts in the room, I feel like. Not just me, my God. You know, it takes a while, at least it did for me, to like overcome, you know, like the instinctive Canadian aversion to using really gritty language. But once you once you can say cock, cunt, and pussy with abandon, you can just let her rip. <laughs> totally, yeah. When you're trying to, yeah, you're not trying to like find other words to say it in a less... Um, a direct manner yeah I think that that might be a Canadian writer thing right I think I mean it was a bit of a a shock when I first felt free to like use use the c words yeah and and with abandon I mean penis is very nice vagina is lovely I mean don't we all love these these body parts but it's vulva gorgeous yeah being a little bit more direct and a little bit more vulgar has its merits Definitely. And interchangeably, you know, depending where where the story is at whatever moment, you know, what the vibe is. Some words are better, you know, at a certain time than others. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's a cock, sometimes it's a dick, and sometimes it's that fucking thing you just want to shove away. love that exactly (laughs) so okay I don't think we can we can really start the podcast until we know like just a little bit about your book before we start talking because I know we want to like we do want to talk about your book but I think the more more what we're interested in talking about today is like talking about the themes that are in your book and like some deeper conversations surrounding kink and sex work and things like that but Let's begin here. Let's uh, yes. Let's start at the beginning. Let, yes, um, let's start all way back at the beginning. Um, tell us just a little bit about your book. Sure. So the book is set in the 2008 financial crisis, and my protagonist is a gorgeous young investment banker, who is basically the number two to one of those classic Wall Street big swinging dicks. And they're tight. You know, she's his work wife. She's his alibi when he goes and sees his girlfriends. I mean, they're intimates in a a very specific way. And she notices in the run-up to the crisis that he's been making some very odd deals. So she begins to ask questions. The crisis happens, and they all become worthless. Mm. And 
she continues to investigate, you know, because she's a curious person and she's a committed professional. Like, why did all these deals go bad? And then she gets fired. Basically, she goes from work wife to divorcee in, in the blink of an eye. And it's the financial crisis, so she can't find a new job, you know, and she may have been blackballed even. And a girlfriend of hers who has a sexy little art gallery in Chelsea brings her over for sort of a pity party, but also to reveal a secret, which is that in the basement of her art gallery, she has an exquisite S&M dungeon, which is where she's been entertaining captains of industry, the elite um, submissive men of New York, and using those funds to keep her gallery afloat. And the gallerist to dominate, she <laughs> has a very diverse portfolio of <laughs> occupations. I love and she has the opportunity to get a very valuable painting from a latex fetishist in Geneva, which is sort of a nod to the Edward Stern story, mm -hmm. if anybody's familiar with that. And she asks her friend, who bears a slight resemblance to her, if she would consider taking over her BDSM practice for a couple of months while she secures this painting. And her friend, they, the two friends bear a slight resemblance and the, the investment banker has been able to command the attention of boardrooms. So the gallerista figure as well, with Makes a little sense. training, she could command attention in a dungeon. Mm -hmm. And initially the banker says no, because this isn't what she knows and what she does. But then some things happen and she has a pretty thrilling experience with a submissive man in a hotel room and she decides to give it a whirl and she's incredibly smart and very intuitive and quickly she discovers a knack for the work and the dungeon turns out to be an extraordinary laboratory where she learns about men she learns about power and she learns about consent and these lessons change her as both a woman and as an executive. And she brings what she learns back with her to banking. And um, so it's not conventional erotic in that it isn't one woman's erotic explorations. It's, it's, a, it's a story um, that involves a lot of eroticism, but every sexual encounter and some of them kind of suck to be honest just like they do in real life um is intended to inform something about the character or to move the story forward yeah. um so i joke that it's it's the big short meets 50 shades of gray by way of billions yes so, uh, i love that yeah um what uh, by the way okay before i i ask a question i i have to know if there is a audio version coming out because the way you're even describing it i'm like you need to like narrate this i feel like <laughs> <laughs> so contractually i am obligated if 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 we decide to go for it um nice. i would be doing the reading oh perfect. Uh, covid sort of complicated things so um i'm hoping I'm hoping there's an appetite for it because I am a yeah. bit of a ham and I'd really enjoy doing the work. Oh, I think you'd be great at it too. Oh my gosh. But okay. So you mentioned, yes, you mentioned like that it is kind of a 50 shades type narrative narrative, but with the dominatrix as the main character, which I love. Yeah. So it's like 
kind of this common narrative, but flipped on its head. And, on she, its head, and she's right? not an ingenue, you know. She's yeah, she, exactly. Yeah, she can she can go toe to toe with a billionaire, and yeah. come out the victor, unlike um, Anastasia, who was you know young naive and and ultimately the victim of a stalker oh yes don't get me started so Mm -hmm. there there's there's lots of differences but um but it's a fun book I mean I I hope I don't make it sound like like there are big lessons in it I mean I think the issues it's an erotica book like yeah it's fun it's fun it's sexy yeah and and the women come out on top which I think is is essential where they belong right yeah. <laughs> so the men kind of worshiping and a little agog at our, our amazingness. Yeah. <laughs> Just everything is as it should be. <laughs> everything exactly. is righted in the world again in this book. Yeah. <laughs> I love that so much. Um, what made you, like, what inspired you to write a book like this? So, um, so... I have a lot in common with um, my banker protagonist in that, um, you know, I, I, I pursued engineering, I went to MIT, I was on a very straight trajectory into, you know, an elite workplace. I was very focused. I didn't have a lot of fun in school because I was working so hard. But what it meant was when I finally got my master's degree and, you know, hit you know, normal life, I went a little bonkers and I had so much fun. And um, one of my closest friends in that period, I, you know, I discovered the scene, I I experimented, I joked that I tried just about everything and I liked most of it. (laughs) And (laughs) one of my good friends during that period of time was um, a professional dominatrix who had a very elaborate dungeon and a pretty awesome clientele and um if i had to describe my kinks i'm just i'm i'm as much of voyeur as i am a craver of novelty and stimulus Mm -hmm. and so i wanted to be in the room where the magic was happening so fortunately there's often room for you know a second set of eyes (laughs) yeah a second pair of hands you know I was I was willing to get my hands dirty whatever it took I wanted to see what was going on in in those secret spaces because it's interesting I mean it's and it's and I think it changes the the dynamic too in a way that can be quite compelling you you have somebody to talk to all of a sudden to discuss Yes, energy going back and forth. More ideas in the room. More one more head in the room is like right. a blessing. As as a professional dominatrix, like to do a duo, like a co-topping scenario, yeah. or even as you said, just like kind of a voyeur um, in the room, uh, a little assistant, you know, maybe a little yeah. nurse to your doctor or whatever it yeah. happens to be. Commenting you, even. Oh yeah, just it on what adds they see. so much. It adds so much. So just someone else you can play off of, you know. And if the like the subject um, likes objectification, you know, oh. oh my god, to just talk about them as if they're not even in the room is so fantastic. Did he, did he just twitch? Oh my god, look at that, look at that cock! I can't believe all the attention we're we're giving to such a a sad little member. I mean, there's so much you can Love work it. with. Oh, endless, right? And so, 
at the back of my mind, I always wondered what it would have taken for, you know, somebody who had been on such a straight path to take that kind of wild detour into the mm-hmm. demi-monde. And it occurred to me, at least from my perspective, that it would take a financial crisis. It would take a shit ton of debt. Yeah. I'd need to to have a gift-wrapped opportunity, and I'd need an exit strategy. And as I thought about it, I was like, oh, my God, that's a book. That's mm-hmm. like the classic fish out of water tale, but the fish winds up in a dungeon surrounded by leather. Mm-hmm. And and so I just, I went um, looking for the, like, the right thing that would blast my protagonist out of her comfortable, f- familiar yeah. environment into something wild. And... And the financial crisis gave me inspiration because um, my husband used to to run the Wall Street Journal, and our pillow talk involves Wall Street scandal. Oh and yes! So <laughs> there's there's amazing. stuff like that yeah. in it. Like I I lifted little bits from the New York Post. Uh, I went search in search of bankers behaving badly tales, oh my so gosh, that I could I love it make it really awful for my protagonist. I mean, she had to have a pretty shitty work experience, even if she was sort of mm-hmm. bought into it. So, um, you know, it's about, it's also about the glass ceiling and what women endured pre me too, and, mm-hmm. um, and how they can get even. Oh, revenge, baby. It is a revenge. It's movie. so sweet. <laughs> and I actually, I absolutely love this because I have to admit any um, media that comes out uh, that is about sex workers or about kinksters. I'm right away very uh, on guard yes. <laughs> about about the piece. You know, I'm like, and you who, should be who because... is writing it, and what was their motivation, and what was the research that went into it. I'm very defensive about about having accurate, authentic representation of sex workers and of kinksters out in the world, right? And like the thing about especially about your discipline. I mean, sure, the, 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 the couple of hours spent in contact with the client is the really sexy, hot, interesting stuff, but that doesn't capture like your time spent, you know, acquiring clients, doing the cleanup before and after. Like there's so much unglamorous The admin, the admin, the admin, the admin all day. That, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's the ratio of, of, of you know, administrative background work to like the full contact performance stuff is is pretty shocking it is totally yeah and and so i'm i'm really happy to hear that this is very autobiographical for you maybe you know you didn't actually make the leap at any point but you had a lot of i'm i'm just happy to hear that you had a lot of the experience and the knowledge yeah. to write this story um, you know, being yeah. being a non-sex worker, um, yeah. you know, or being a sex worker, like you, I, I feel like with the the leaps you made in this narrative, um, yeah. you know, weren't weren't super far from your own experience, really. So I really respect that. And I wanted to capture the the tension between, you know, the woman who's the queen of her dungeon. And what it means to step outside, because at least here in the U.S., um, you know, it's a question, there's all sorts of open questions about legality. So my um, protagonist has a has a, a bad experience, um, 
you know, in a civilian context, if you will, with a guy she knows from home who who violates her, and then she has to decide, am I going to call the cops? Because the worry becomes, you know, will will my my unorthodox sideline mm-hmm. color um, my complaint in a way that might make her less um, credible? And yeah. she decides well, against. Yeah, she decides against it and uh, against coming forward. But um, you know that dilemma um, is there, and then just you know how do you deal with the cash? She doesn't want to get like um, any any suspicious um, activity reports filed yeah. against her, and so she she you know really struggles with just boring things like how to deposit money. Yeah. I love that you talk about those things too and how a femdom can be in this lovely little fantastical femdom safe space in her dungeon. But when she leaves the dungeon, um, you know, both the legal implications of being a sex worker, but also just like anywhere outside of your dungeon, you're still, you know, marginalized because you're a woman, right? So like, yes, you get to, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Marginalized twice. Right. So it's interesting to see both represented in a story. Right. That's absolutely lovely because it is it is all of those things. As you said, we're layered people. You know, we have lots of varied experiences. So it's great that, to see that. I also wanted to sort of capture the, the, some of the tension between the different flavors of sex work and, you know, how you draw the line and where you draw the line, like how much sexual contact... Um, was my protagonist comfortable with and and then she winds up having an affair with a client and and then she's worried like has she violated some rule or or you know is there is there some some something additional that that she's done to undermine her safety or her her health and and then she has a fun conversation with the experienced sex worker who tells her you know go google girlfriend experience and look at the emotional labor those chicks do it's true and, yes yeah and and so i uh i i had some fun with that like i could sort of channel like the the uh, the sex workers who are sort of suspicious of the other sex workers and then oh, the, the ones who are sort of embracing and yes totally was, all that it was a treat to write. I really, I really enjoyed that. And, and it's a bit like role play because you get to inhabit different roles and, you know, sometimes you're the asshole and sometimes you're the hero and yeah, that's great too. I know. Yeah. The writing an erotica book about kink is like, that's, that's an interesting scene premise there. Yeah. <laughs> There's something there that I want to explore in a role play scene, like an, yeah. a live in-person role play scene. Well, Something exactly. There. And just to, just to, to boast a little bit. So, um, the, uh, the experienced dominatrix is a PhD in art history. And so she brings these art world influences to the scenes she does. And during one of the training scenes, I, I borrowed basically the framework of a famous performance art piece by Marina Abramovich, where she, um, lay in the middle of, of an art gallery and she was surrounded by 70 odd different implements. They ranged from a feather to a pair of scissors to a gun and a bullet. Nice. And when I read about that, I thought, that's not art. That's fucking S&M. <laughs> that's and amazing. so like, in, 
instead of a feather, there were butt plugs and nipple clamps and, and I mean, all feather the is still great for kink. I yeah. mean, I've used a feather many times. It's true. I was, I, I you know, I didn't, I didn't want to be accused of making the scenes too soft. Yeah, so right, I, right, right, right. But, um, you know, that was sort of comic. But also, when I was writing the scene, I, I also included affirmative consent. So, um, Erica, the experienced dominatrix, has her protege hold the implement up in front of the gentleman. And he can either use a safe word or he can experience what he, what, what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And the, the game is once the safe word is uttered, the, it's over. Yeah. And, but every time he's consenting to whatever the implement is. Mm-hmm. And that is part of the energy and part of the interaction between the, the, the protege and the client. And I just, I thought it was sort of fun to, to represent, um, consent, consent practices yeah, yeah it's definitely because it is hot like I often do that as well I give them a choice between two implements you know just to make sure especially if it's somebody that I haven't played with maybe at all or many times you know what I mean you uh, want to work in the consent it within the scene because it's an ongoing conversation right it's not something right. you just talk about for a bit beforehand and then do the scene and- and it's not and integrated because it is. The person a choice is also something that, you know, can make that lump appear in a throat. Mm-hmm. And that's hot. They chose their own destiny. Yes. Exactly. They asked for it. They like all of those kind of And hot then undertones. that's that's the follow up. My goodness, I can't believe you chose this. Wow, you must be pretty hardcore. Are you sure? <laughs> Yeah, then the fear play comes in. Love it. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's so much you can do. And then the the struggle she had, my protagonist has as a beginner, she's like, how am I going to fill up all this time, right? That's the thing too, yeah. And then when you're good at it and have have lots of experience, the question is, how do I fit it all in this amount of time? It's the opposite issue, right? right? It's like, oh my God, I'm going to have to shut up and move on. How do I not go over time? Yeah. (laughs) You have both problems. How do I get right on time? So the, the, um, as she's struggling to figure out what to do with, you know, all this time, she's with a, with a guy who's a corporal punishment enthusiast and, you know, her, her, um, friend has copious notes. So she remembers something about how he liked to be taken to task. So she just does the thing that she, she would do at work. She's like, how many women do you have working for you? Oh, I've done that. Love it. And the guy can't answer. And then that gives her a reason to punish him. And then, then he comes back and he actually improves. So it turns out to be like a, a a very productive feminist script. She introduces. I I didn't want to do too much overt, you know, feminist (laughs) stuff, but that I had some fun with. I love that. Okay. I'm, I'm going to get a committee. (laughs) I'm going to do better just you watch and and then I he does. I love that. I had yeah, I had somebody that I've duoed with that used to make most scenes um like centric on things like that. And I just loved it. I ate it up. Like she would <laughs> she would like make them confess to like all the shitty things they've done to women and oh. be- beat them for it. She oh. would like 
actively, you know, be changing the narrative in they in their heads about like their wives and their kids and stuff like that, like in scenes. It would impress me so much. I'm like like her feminist feminist agenda was like at the core of her kink beliefs. Wow. At um, the tip of her crop. That's yes. Impressive. Oh, totally. Every scene was like that. And it was just like, oh my God, your your core values are so impressive. I so- love it. How did how did the clients respond to that kind of overt um, <laughs> emphasis? I mean, they're ultimately like, yes, it's customer service and they're our yeah. guest and we're supposed to be, you know, doing this thing for them. But I mean, the space is femdom. So yeah. you're here, you know, the fantasy is that you're here to do whatever we want to do. Right. So if this is what my lovely co-top wants to get done today, then you're doing it. That's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you it's really wonderful. have no choice. Like within the fantasy, you really have no choice. So... You better answer these questions, and uh, we're you better come back next time and uh, right. be better. Well, <laughs> I've done better. I think better. it's sort of more interesting if if there's a if there's a grain of truth in the chastisement mm-hmm. in in what you're taking the person to task for, because otherwise it doesn't connect in a way that isn't as real. And and yeah. then, you know, the next time they're at work and they they hear that trigger, they're like, oh. <laughs> totally oh ongoing dynamics uh yeah. yeah yeah can really be very salient um yes, to like integrate those kind of it's lessons it's the gift that keeps on giving oh totally again and again right wherever you are whoever you're interacting with you're thinking about what your mistress said you know <laughs> love it absolutely love it Support for the Bedpost podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Big news, everybody. Manscaped has just launched in Canada. So for those of my fellow Canadian listeners, you can now be one of the very first of us to experience their life-changing products. I don't know if you folks know that I take nude pictures of myself uh, for a living. So this has definitely happened to me before. Well, I'll shoot like a 15 minute video or like 50 to 100 still pictures. And then I look back at the material and I have like a little nick or a cut there from my shitty electric trimmer. Well, no more! Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their engineering team has perfected the greatest genital hair trimmer ever created. And this is the Lawnmower 3.0. I got it in the mail and I fucking love it. I use it on everything from my armpits to my eyebrows to my pussy. That's right, people. I said pussy. <laughs> But this trimmer is amazing. It's got a super long-lasting battery. Uh, The trimmer is waterproof. Uh, It has an LED light, which illuminates your grooming area. It's quiet, and it has a really cool charging stand. So our special holiday offer is that you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BEDPOST. That's B-E-D-P-O-S-T at manscaped.com. So go right on over and get your loved one a special holiday present right now at manscaped.com you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code bedpost that's b-e-d-p-o-s-t at manscaped.com 
Oasis Aqua Lounge is a water-themed sex club located right here in Toronto at 231 Mutual Street. Oasis is inclusive of all genders and orientations and is shame-free when it comes to pleasure and play. Check them out at their website, oasisaqualounge.com. Unicorn Collaborators is the local leather business of two queer unicorns. They specialize in luxurious and colorful harnesses for all body types, and even craft non-conventional ones for your thigh, fist, or foot. Check them out at their Etsy shop under Unicorn Collaborators. Lovecrafters Toys is a non-gendered fantasy sex toy line that makes weird and wonderful dildos in the shape of tentacles, unicorn horns, mermaid tails, and more. Their high-quality silicone is hand-poured right here in Toronto. Check out their Etsy shop at Lovecrafters Toys. ComeAsYouAre.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, when checking out at ComeAsYouAre.com. So, okay, what I would like to do um, is move the conversation towards, like, the type of research that you did. Like, who did you speak to? Who did you consult with? Um, You know, who was on hand to help you with, like, the sex worker narrative? Because as we're talking, I'm, like, very impressed at how nuanced your understanding of professional kink work is. So I'm curious, like, how did you do that how did he come to know all this so I've had the the privilege of of watching and spending time with some of the the top um pro doms um in the area you'll you may see some names you recognize in the acknowledgments of my book and and then when I finished my PhD I had the idea of using some of the econometric tools that I had been developing for boring industries to study an interesting industry. Boring and industries. so I, everything I did that's a, not sex work. <laughs> yeah, I did a deep dive into the business of sex, and um, you know, I went to to AVN. I went to a bunch of the the big um, porn and sex internet sex conferences. There's one called Internext in Las Vegas. Um, I've I've spoken to f- everyone from phone sex operators to the women doing the girlfriend experience, and um, it's it's staggering how much overlap there is in the in the concerns and the um, upsides, if you will, of the work. I mean, everything from the flexibility to you know it, it's pretty well compensated if you can if you can you know get get up and running Mm -hmm. and you have a a hunger for the work but it also has costs and consequences um i remember discussing it once with a um an expert in occupational safety and health you know what does the what's the profile safety wise of for instance professional domination Mm -hmm. and we we sort of went back and forth and decided it was on par with um, psychiatric nurses and these are women generally um and the bulk of their bad experiences happen in the first year or two of their introduction to the profession because, you know, maybe they don't have the same savvy to size up the room or yep. maybe 
you know, the, the, the complicated, difficult people can sort of sniff out fresh meat and act out accordingly. But once you get over that hump and you gain some proficiency at being alone in a room with strangers, you can kind of calibrate and even out your existence totally. um, in a way that's satisfying and reassuring. And, and so I, I tried really hard to get that published, but um, I couldn't. I was told, well, what about internet dating? And I'm like, well, I'm really not that interested in internet dating. I'm really interested in how internet is changing sex. Yeah. And, um, and in particular, um, the sex industry. So it's just been a long standing fascination of mine that I, I couldn't find like a normal outlet for. So the f- fiction wound up being, um, being a good way to pursue it. Yeah, had to find an abnormal way. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and what was the reception, I'm wondering, to the particular sex workers that were on board, you know, as like consulting, perhaps? The reception from sex workers has been uniform and enthusiastic. That's great. The dominatrixes are portrayed as brilliant, creative, savvy businesswomen. Yeah. You know, who have mastered this odd little art form. And the men who serve them are portrayed as honorable, intelligent, savvy guys who just happen to have a thing. Yeah. And they are they are allies. And I think that's one thing I, I don't often see um, portrayed is is how mutually reinforcing the relationship is and how the two groups are are so close and and so usually respectful of one another yeah i think in media we get we either get one or the other we get the powerful female character and you see the men as kind of useless yeah they're jokes peripheral yeah a joke exactly or we get the opposite where it's kind of the male gaze of like um, the you know the sex worker is uh, being taken advantage of in some way or you know cornered to be in that position financially or professionally or however you see it and that they're being manipulated you know uh, by men and men are the like that's the typical narrative is that men are kind of the ones in control so I, I feel like in usually in media surrounding sex work and surrounding kink we rarely get both yeah. So I'm was, very it was, interested to see that It was did. important to me that um, that the guys, you know, the villains are the bankers. It's not the clients. The clients are great. And maybe it's an idealized representation of yeah. clients. Cause, um, but, you know, you need to have some, you know, you, that wasn't the story I wanted to tell. I wanted to tell the story of a woman dealing with an asshole boss, not, not an asshole client. Yeah. Um, and I think but, by and large, they're like, I mean, there's not great representation for sex workers in fictitious no. media. But like, I think even more so than that, there isn't representation of great clients to sex workers, like great Johns, or whatever yeah. you want to call them. There's like, no positive representation surrounding them. Um, which I think it really contributes to the fact that men can't, can't and don't want to be and they're stigmatized for being um clients of sex workers and that's why they can't be open about it 
Right. And like the double whammy of having submissive urges. I mean, to go against the scripts exactly. surrounding masculinity is, is even more daunting. And then also um, hiring sex workers. Yeah. So there's once again, that double whammy of stigma. Right. Yeah. And so there's, um, so the moment where uh, the experienced dominatrix reveals her, her secret dungeon, I introduce a client um, and knowing that she was going to be telling her friend about her secret in the basement, she instructed one of her clients to, to come to the place, come to the art gallery and wait. And so they, they go down into the dungeon, the two women, and the, the experienced woman goes, would you like to see a demonstration? And the, the protege or the prospective protege says, okay. And so the woman gets out her phone and she calls up this guy who just sort of appears. And, and that is also the kind of game that someone might play. You know, I, I've had guys come up to me and said, yes, if, if Erica called me, I would have, I would have waited for the, the moment to be introduced to her friend. <laughs> and, and then he becomes an, a real, um, ally. Uh, so he'd, the guy becomes sort of integral in Amy's training. He's sort of the, the, the laboratory rat mm-hmm. um, while she gains skills and learns how to read a body. And um, then he clothes her. I have a, a really fun scene that's sort of a little pretty womanish where they go to um, the Damask store that used to exist in um, the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And he gets her dressed up and... And then the transformation happens almost as you watch because she she sort of grabs his tie and pulls him down to the ground and says, would you submit to this? And he goes, yes, mistress. Love it. See, sometimes and... it work, It goes outside in the work, you know, and it, I mean, like the confidence work. Sometimes it goes outside in. Sometimes mm-hmm. it takes all it takes is to put on a leather corset and some heels suddenly yeah. you feel like a fucking dominatrix you know yeah. sometimes i it mean works it's that way it's a kick um i remember the first time i put on fetish wear and just feeling that that burning attention focused on me and i you know i was the sort of the, the quintessential nerd i had you know done math contests growing up in <laughs> ottawa so it was like what are they looking at me for? And then I looked in the mirror, like, okay, oh, I get it. Yeah, this Ooh, is pretty I see. good. Okay, okay. <laughs> I could get used to this. In fact, I I decided I wanted to. And, and not to say that you can't feel the same power from like non traditional fetish wear as well. I always like to say that. I'm like, I can dom someone in my PJs. Yeah. Um, like I literally sold uh, pictures of me eating pancakes, like in my pajamas, like the other day to a sub, like, you know, so it doesn't, it doesn't have to look like that, but sometimes, you know, we can, uh, we can, oh, what's the word? Just that we can get in touch with that, like femdom fantasy. Sometimes that can work for us. Sometimes it doesn't feel authentic, but sometimes it can be really fun to play in that space of that, like ultra feminine, um, well, then it's just a very different kind of Thing, or it's even more subversive when you when you get really gritty yeah or when you're playing with it you know playing like playing with it ironically possibly or flipping <laughs> the narrative on its head you know what I mean like there can right. be a lot of ways to play with that like stereotypical dominatrix you know, headspace you, you can you can use your bunny slippers in many different fashions oh my goodness yes definitely 
<laughs> any type of footwear from like the highest, you know, pleaser heel to the thigh high boot to bunny slippers, <laughs> dirty old running hey. shoes. Like, you know, kink isn't just about what we're shown in media, you know, it's about so much more. So I'm glad that you see that too. And the other thing I think about for scenes, for instance, is that they there's three components to a scene. There's the before, the anticipation, where you think about all the things that might happen. Um, and, and that kind of speculation and anticipation is thrilling. Then there's the, the scene itself where things happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, moment to moment, you know, shit's going down. Mm-hmm. And then there's the <laughs> aftermath. And... Each of these components is essential mm-hmm. because one, you know, your, your imagination can take you anywhere as you're anticipating. You need that middle part because, you know, without it, it makes the aftermath pointless. But like, you never know until like an hour, a week or a month later, what moments are going to stick out, which instances are going to be the ones that bring the lump to your throat. Is it the bunny slipper or is it Maybe. just something as subtle as, you know, slowly removing a glove or snapping a belt? Mm-hmm. And Yeah, is that's... it sound? Yeah, is it uh, some sort of tactile feeling? Is it exactly. something and that is engaging the mental fantasy? It could be And each component is essential. You can't you can't really have as much fun if you don't have all three. Yeah. But you you need all three. Yeah, I I, I like I, I teach a lot uh, like I teach a lot of kink workshops mm-hmm. and that's something that I try to tell new doms I'm like just because you're in the room with the person doesn't mean that it's all about what you're doing like tactile like you still mm-hmm. need to engage the fantasy um, right. you need to be doing both simultaneously um, right. or back and forth back and forth you know like micro is there macro. any particular thing that you you advise to like connect even more deeply with the fantasy um visualization Mm. is is huge for sure grounding exercises can be great for that like to get somebody to really drop in their body and quiet their own brain and just let my voice be then your narrative like yeah things like that just to find moments of stillness right Um, tune out the noise in your head yeah tune out the white noise tune out what you're going to be doing after the session what you did before the session what you need to get done tomorrow drop all of that drop into our bodies be in the room with me right now like present moment it's a meditative thing you know and then just listen to the sound of my voice yeah I remember somebody once described erotic pain as like hearing a bell for meditation because it sort of cuts through that noise and lets you focus. And I thought that was just a really elegant description. Yeah, love that. Because sometimes it takes a lot of intense stimuli just to like shut the brain off. I mean, you can, I mean, a lot of my professional sessions have the premise of to the scene is exactly that. They're like, I just need to turn off my brain. I just want to be in a space doing something where I can just turn off for the next hour. I'm like, great, we're going to find out how to do that because it's different for everyone as well. 
What a fun puzzle. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, ooh, I'm like tenting my fingers. I'm like, can't wait to figure out what's going to be the thing that does it for you. Let's see, the buffet, or should we just serve up something very specific? Yes, everything or nothing, you know, (laughs) or anything in between. And maybe we don't figure it out that session. Maybe we don't quite get there because meditative techniques, like really getting out of your head for people that struggle with like overthinking and the third eye and all that kind of stuff. It's, um, you know, it may not happen right away and it takes practice. It's like working right. any other muscle, right? So, right. But also, you know, they'll hopefully in the aftermath, they'll have a moment of insight where when Ooh, you said worked. this, yes, this worked. Totally. And I love how you talk about the aftermath. I love how you're like talking about the full round experience, like what's happening after the scene as well, because that is so true. Like things like that, it's like, well, things may drop in, you know, that later on that evening, the next day, weeks later, what stuck with you? Those are like, that's how my brain works. Like I do a scene with someone and then suddenly a month later, I'm masturbating about a very specific thing. And it can be really surprising what what sort of works. You're like, oh my God, I had no idea. It could be a phrase. It could be, you know, a position. It could be a particular sound again, like, or just a like an emotional feeling you had, a reaction, you know, like it could literally be anything. So I love how you talk about all all of the different parts of sex work. Like it's not just the scene, even for the client. Like it's not just about the scene. It's about like the antip- anticipation beforehand and then the fallout after. Yeah, so um, it was it was really quite delicious getting to kind of re-inhabit my wild 20s <laughs> I bet. and and then try and you know make the scenes memorable also it, there's like something sexy about every 40 pages so it's not like wall-to-wall porn but <laughs> um yeah and but there's also like kind of some you know lackluster sex because you know we've all experienced that before and I like that there's too. this moment I love that you create that there's this moment, you know, she has an affair with um, a, a person, she, a man she met in the dungeon, and it's it's very intense, and they have a lot in common. And but he's a he's a billionaire, and he's a little weird. He's not like the best boyfriend. And there's this moment where they're having kind of vanilla sex, and he's done, and she's like really close, and she just sort of has to decide okay, I guess we're done. And, and, um, and then it, then she has the question in her head. She's like, well, is, does he, does he care for me or does he just care for how I get him off? Fetish dispenser. Right. It's, it's, she's just like a, yeah, like a bondage machine. Yes. And, and, and so that is a worry that, that colors her, her interactions with him going forward. And, um, so it, it never, he, he, you know, he's, he's a good guy, but he's, he's not a good boyfriend. (laughs) He sounds fine. (laughs) He's fine. Okay. He's fine. Yes, exactly. (laughs) When I was writing, I thought at first that she was going to get the billionaire. Maybe I hope I'm not revealing too much, but what the fuck? And... (laughs) And then as I was getting into his character, I just, I was just like, he's not good enough for her. She can oh, do better. I like that. Oh, I like that. She needs to get someone more fun. She, she deserves like someone really hot and 
kind of uncomplicated, who doesn't play games, and and who will give as good as he gets. And um, and I'm I'm a I'm a generous wench. I gave her that. <laughs> generous wench. <laughs> I'm picturing you with beer steins. It's lovely. Yes. Here have here have. Here, have, have a blue. <laughs> I, I grew up in a Labatt's household. Have a Labatt bleu. You know, those big bleus. <laughs> the, like, huge. <laughs> yes. The big, big, big and bottles. Bleu. Yeah, bleu. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that you, um, I do the same thing when I used to write professional erotica. Like, I would include the realities of sex like the funny moments the like weird moments the awkward moments like as you said Excellent. like the experiences that weren't just this totally romanticized version of what sex can be or what kink can be you know what i mean like getting those little cute moments too that aren't mm-hmm. quite how most you know erotic erotic media presents sex I think it's so important that we have like, you know, some kind of more nuanced representations of what sex can look like. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 not like the sex you see in kink.com videos. I mean, there you go. Yeah. Okay, so I a confession. So it had been a long time since I had, you know, engaged in anything really pervy. When I turned 30, I went back and did my PhD and in the back of my head I was like, "Oh my god, if I ever want to get a security clearance, I don't want all this crazy shit to be Totally, I feel you. Yeah out there. So I, 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 I pulled back and got a little bit more normal, whatever that means. And so when I I started thinking about the book and imagining, you know, what should go in it, I was like, shit, I, you know, I, I really better look at some bondage scenes just so I could remember the mechanics and just what it looks like. So, you know, it's easy enough to, to go on Pornhub and find stuff. And my mind was blown. I mean, like, oh, my God, this stuff is amazing. But, like, they are so athletic. And how do they do that with their bodies? And shit, she's flexible. I mean, it was just crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Some people are very, very impressive. (laughs) They are fucking athletes. And and I mean that literally. Yeah. If you're doing, like, this athletic type of a porn, it's like... These people are like basically Olympians. The Olympic yeah. Olympics of sex. <laughs> they would oh get a gold. Man. <laughs> I I hope I hope there's like a special super lube for these ladies cuz like I don't know if the regular stuff is enough. <laughs> super lube. So like Uber lube. They're probably using the expensive shit. So like Sliquid is like liquid gold basically. That's really Uber good. Uber lube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, I don't think my body could have ever taken that. I might have enjoyed it and maybe I would enjoy walking funny for a week, but man, that looks hard. Yeah. And how many takes and how long is the shoot? <laughs> it's like, oh my God, these people are like, oh, should be award winners. <laughs> they need to man. get recognized for their hard I work. I bow before the goddesses of porn. Honestly, seriously, like I do in in person sessions, not now, obviously, because of COVID, COVID, but it's like, mm-hmm. you know, an hour or two hour at the most, like you get a three hour kind of extended session. Um, and that feels like a marathon. But then like you think about like the hours put into making like to making <sighs> porn. It, it's it's really insane. It's so crazy. I 
um, I used to live in New York and I, I took some improv classes and I was hanging out with all these cute young actors. You know, my background is engineering, but I wanted to, you know, kind of spruce up my, my public speaking style. And so I learned that they were all working as extras, you know, background actors. I'm like, right. well, how do you do that? So I discovered like how to connect with that. And I love getting dressed up. It's like one of my little fetishes, I guess. Cute. And whenever I would see a casting notice for an S&M scene, I'd be like, I am there. I would Please. apply. I would, I had some clothes. So I still have some things from my naughty 20s. So, you know, <laughs> and so I, uh, I had the opportunity to portray a dominatrix on the show Gotham. And it was like a competitive deal. They, they interviewed four of us. Um, I was the oldest by about 15 years. Um, I just thought, there's no fucking way they're going to choose the old broad. They're going to choose one of the hot 20-somethings because this <laughs> is Hollywood. Right. But the director actually sought input from us about what the scene should look like. And I had lots of ideas. <laughs> and I bet you did. <laughs> so they, they picked me. You're like, do you and, just want me on the writing team? You just say, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Just, just I can, do. I'll do whatever you want. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, co I'm cooperative. So, I'm versatile. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. So on the day of the shoot, you know, I'm, I'm like tottering around in heels of a height I haven't worn in years. I've got like <laughs> the, the, the girdle with the garters and the bustier and the gloves, and I'm, I'm. And I am so thrilled. I just can't believe I'm there. I'm like, this is the pinnacle of my TV experience, and it's happening right now. Amazing. And my counterpart was this uh, white-haired gentleman who was ostensibly a judge. And so we basically, just with a little guidance from the, the director, um, you know, figured out the movements we should do. And I grab him, I throw him down on the ground, and then I grab his hair and I go smile for the camera. I got the line. But, like, I had to really toss him around. Nice, yeah. And it's hard work, between, isn't it? Between takes, you know, yeah, and five-inch heels, man. Yeah, exactly, and a corset and fucking, yeah. Oh, it's like, this has been a long time. This body is not accustomed to this shit. <laughs> so... So between takes, he's sitting by himself and he's shaking, like literally trembling. And I, so I, I go up to him and I go, excuse me, am I, am I being too mean? I, you look a little shaken. Yeah. And he goes, no, no, I'm just getting into Judge Turnbull's humiliation. He was oh like God. inhabiting the character. Method acting. I love it. Totally. It. I, and, I was, and like, I'm like, I was oh. like, does this man need aftercare? Like, he needs care in between scenes. Like, you know what I, I mean? That's I was what like, I went to. I'm him. like, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. So once I realized, no, this is his process, I'm like, I'll leave you alone. So, <laughs> so, um, you know, take after take in the high heels and like, you know, by hour four, my feet oh. were miserable, but I was a trooper. I was there and... um. And we became good friends, actually. I, uh, I'm, I'm still quite friendly with the judge. I tossed around the judge and... with the judge. <laughs> yes, the judge. But it was, Lovely. it was amusing. I was like, man, these ladies are fucking warriors if they're wearing this yeah. stuff every day. Because I was in it for four hours and I was done. I couldn't wait to get out of those boots. Yeah, getting a bath. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah, get a meal in me. Yeah. Although I will say this, you know, if I'd been in my 20s, I would have been self-conscious. I'd be like worried that my tits were going to fall out or something. Mm-hmm. When you're pushing 50 and you're wearing scantily clad, at least if you're me, you're, you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm being paid to do this. This is awesome. <laughs> Behold. So. Good for you. <laughs> I mean, that's that's interesting, right? Like, I'm also, you know, about 40. So I think when I, I came into sex work, you know, fairly late, like in my thirties. So Mm -hmm. when I think about like where I was in my early twenties, when like around the age where you see a lot of the majority probably of women getting into sex work, do it a Mm -hmm. little younger than I did. Let's put it that way. Um, And then when I think of myself at that age, I'm like, oh my God, no, I could never I would have never had the confidence, like specifically doing dom work, like doing top work. Mm -hmm. Um, I just don't think I would have ever had the confidence, both like body image confidence, like you mentioned, but then also just being able to just like carry a whole scene to really have the confidence to just do your own thing, like follow your instincts. You know what I mean? Be vulnerable. That too takes a lot of strength encourage you know um and being you know very consistent and very diligent about enforcing your own boundaries both physical Mm -hmm. and emotional all of that stuff I'm like oh my god I'm I'm really happy I came into it now um and I think uh domination is a field that rewards maturity and yeah you can age into it I think yeah I had this yeah I had this conversation with another sex worker who's um like a bit older than I am but we both uh agreed that it's really an industry you can age into Mm -hmm. totally yeah I mean there there are women in their 50s and 60s who are still at it and still kicking ass um Mm -hmm. I mean it's it's remarkable uh I, I I've come to know Irene Boss a little bit and um you know she's she's my age and she looks fantastic and she's still She's still got the hunger and, and, and the drive. Still and enjoys it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Mistress Troy in New York is like that too. And Yeah. Miss Bernadette here in Toronto. Um, she's yeah. a yeah spanking, a spanking specialist. Well, and I think sort of having like the maturity of a proper governess. I mean, that, oh, that's the fantasy, hot. right? Yeah. Hot, hot, hot. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, yeah. So, you know, you might have to alter the type of work you do, depending on how laborious it is for you. And as you said, you know, being in heels for four hours is like, hmm? <laughs> couldn't do that every day. So, you know. Thank goodness there are blindfolds, right? There you go. It's, oh, my God. Anytime I put someone in a blindfold, the shoes are off. <laughs> You're revealing all your secrets today, Aaron. I, I won't know, tell. Right? I know, right? <laughs> No, that, you're, you're wearing the high heels the whole time. I can, I know it. They're just on my it. hands and I'm like clicking them on the floor. I'm like, I'm walking towards oh. you. <laughs> I'm like yes. just like creating the I'm coming. experience. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just barefoot crawling on my hands and knees oh god <laughs> i would i would i would love to see that i can can i volunteer for that session i want to be a fly on the wall when that happens yeah 
I'm just doing Foley art around them in my bare feet. Like, <laughs> just like yeah. jingling stuff around them and like clip clopping shoes in my hands. Oh. oh, wouldn't that be funny? All of a sudden you go from like, oops, it's a I, I pulled out the horse clomping noise by mistake. I was trying to do the, the high heels, but totally. oh well, doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, my job. What, yeah, what, know, oh, there's a horse in here. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about it. <laughs> Oh, Jane, this has been so lovely. Such a lovely conversation with you today. I've so enjoyed it too. Thank you. Thank you so much, Erin. Are there any like closing thoughts that you wanted to leave with people before I let you go? Well, I'm sure your listeners don't need to be reminded to 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 give themselves permission to play. Maybe they do. Maybe they just do. in case they haven't heard it in a while. Yeah. Fucking play. Play, baby. It's just called role play for a reason. Doesn't mean we. Yeah. Grown-ups need it, too. Totally. Adult version of play. Yeah. Yeah. And and buy my book. And also buy your book. <laughs> and where can we do that, Jane Boone? So um, the easiest way is on Amazon, even though I hate getting Bezos any richer. But, you know, the guy has an HGH habit and a, and a, a, and a new, new girlfriend, so maybe he can use the money. Um. <laughs> So Amazon is the easiest. And if I can recommend anything, I would recommend the actual physical book because it's actually quite beautiful. We splurged on a a sexy cover, but the inside is also designed. There's some, you know, sexy photos um, within the the text at the top of each um, act. There are three acts. Mm -hmm. And it will look really handsome on your nightstand and you'll look smart. Yeah, you know. conversation piece, you know. It's a conversation piece. Just have it um, out. <laughs> but if you need to be to discreet, see. you know, there's an ebook. Um, I wish I could recommend bookstores, and it's being carried in a bunch of them, but I just don't know which ones. And with COVID, I haven't oh, been able sure. to check. Yeah, with COVID for myself. Everybody buy online. Don't overwhelm those retail workers. They're already fucking scared yeah. as hell about yeah. what they're going to be exposed to this holiday season. So buy online and buy from independent businesses, black yeah, owned independent businesses independent if possible. Online bookstores where you can buy it. And, um, and if you read it, get in touch with me because I'd like to know what you think, because I'm tempted to start a sequel because it is sort of teed up for a mm, second installment. Exactly. But I want to know if there's a hunger. Mm-hmm. And then I want to know a if hunger, we want a desire, more. a need gallerista. Or more banker. Oh, lovely. Okay, so let so, so let Jane know which yeah whose I'm narrative Twitter, you want to follow. And I'm I'm on you know I have a website Jane Boone and Boone is spelled B O O N. Great. So find me and then tell me. That's an order. Oh, yes, mistress. Jane E <laughs> Boone on Twitter, everybody. For myself, this mistress is going to tell you to follow me on Twitter at the Lady Pim One. I'm also on Instagram at the Lady Pim. Uh, for podcast stuff, I'm at the Bedpost Podcast on Instagram. You can email me at the Bedpost Sex Show at gmail.com. If it's domination related, however, you may email me at Lady Pim at protonmail.com. Uh, last but not least, I want to give a thank you to the lovely lady that does the original music for my podcast. That is Stephanie Copeland. You can find out more about her at stephcopelandmusic.com. And then I can't, I can't finish this episode without thanking the lovely author of Edge Play, 
Jane Boone. Thank you so much for speaking with me today, Jane. Oh, it was my pleasure. And I am all in for pleasure. Yes. And pain. Together. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard together. to distinguish. One or the other. Depends how I'm <laughs> feeling. Thank you, everyone, for who's been listening. We'll see you next week with another fun and sexy guest here in the studio talking about sex and sexuality. Bye.